You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is the day that I officially announced the winner of the signed Dorsey Levens giveaway. I'll be doing that right after the first break. Today, I don't know, just kind of a general grab baggy kind of day, I guess. Less, little of that. For the most part, I guess I kind of want to just, things are so kind of wildly out of control, um, and you get that sort of, I, I don't know what you call it, the, it's just the way things kind of are. I'm, I'm clearly not alone in that category of everybody's over here, so I'm going to go way over there, because they're way too far to the right, I need to go way too far to the left to overcorrect, to bring us kind of in the middle. And so there's a whole lot of people just all over in crazy town right now. So I, I want to just maybe just stand right in the middle of it and be like, guys, come on back. Come on back. We got a game, right? This week, we got another one. Definitely should win this one. So let's relax. Let's come on back into the middle here. Some of you guys just live out there in the fringes, and that's cool. You know, you hang out. But the rest of us, who are normally kind of normal that have been going a little crazy, let's come on back now. We had more than, and you know, granted, it was a Sunday night game, so we didn't have a ton of time on Sunday to go crazy. But we had all of Monday to go into crazy town, and then we had all of Tuesday to scream at people who were in crazy town in the opposite direction of where we generally stand. So now that it's Wednesday, I'm pretty sure, let's all try to come on back. So obviously not everything is sunshine and rainbows, so the sunshine and rainbow club... Let's go ahead and get off that horse, because the horse isn't really a horse. You're, I don't know what you're sitting on, but it's not a horse. And if it is, it's dead. Get off the horse. I mean, it's starting to stink. And likewise, the always negative, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. I generally gravitate to negative because Packer fans are, some of them are so, like, especially in Facebook groups, they're so obnoxiously positive, it drives me insane. Not mine so much, but... <laughs> And all the other ones, when I'm flipping through, you can just tell with these nonsense memes. I don't know how many more times I can see, if you're not going to stick with the Packers through the bad times, then don't bother showing up in the good times, or whatever thing. In other words, I don't like what you're saying. I can't really refute it, but I'm just going to say you're a bad fan. Okay. Cool, man. But, I think in a loss, some people go so far into the extreme in the other direction, they become instantly the most obnoxious fans. You know, the, the Trade Rogers folks. I mean, they're just lying in wait for a loss because that's when they shine. Everybody's trash. Everybody should be fired. Everything is horrible. I tried to tell you. I, I've been waiting for a loss because, you know, we're 8-3, so it hasn't happened very often. But I've been sitting around waiting for a bad one so that I could prove my point 
that were a bad team. And I had to wait until, like, you know, the end of November to be able to make my point, which isn't a good point because it's the end of November. But now that there was a loss that was bad to a really good team, I get to pop up and show my stuff. And I also don't have any arguments other than so-and-so is trash, and when you tell me that that's not true, I point out that one time on, you know, last Sunday. I mean, some, some of the things are, you know, the defense isn't good. That's, that's true. And you get the rebuttal to that. Well, yes, they are good. Well, no, come on now. Let's be serious. They're not. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should just spend a day going through Facebook groups and just laughing at everybody. Anyways, so that's, that's, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's, a, it's just exhausting at this point. And I think we're all tired of each other. So let's just stop. Stop being crazy. I hope you know who you are because I need you to stop being crazy. If you're being rational and rationally responding to people, I don't care. I just want the crazy people to stop. Who am I kidding? They don't know they're crazy. Anyways, uh, preliminaries. As I said, we have an Instagram winner. However, we have another giveaway that's going to happen if we can just get nine more followers. So if you are on Instagram and you're not following Packernet Podcast on Instagram, we need nine of you to pause this episode, pull up Instagram, search Packernet Podcast, click follow. Maybe we can do another giveaway tomorrow. I'm just saying. Um, Secondly... We still got those sweet, sweet t-shirts. There's a link in the description if you'd like to support the podcast and get yourself some sweet merch. Go check it out. It would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, don't forget we've still got the GoFundMe campaign from now until Christmas. The goal was $1,000. We are under $300 away from that goal. And as I said, although we're ahead of schedule, I do not want to take our foot off the gas because it would be a very disappointing ending if we didn't make it after getting seven-tenths of the way there in one month. So please, if you have any extra cash laying around, as little as $5 would be a massive help. The GoFundMe campaign is titled Packer Fans Against Cancer. There is a link in the description. All the proceeds, 100%, go to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. And as I said, for all the skeptics out there, I have zero access to this money. Even if I decided one day that I was just going to rip off people with cancer, because that's what I feel like doing today, I would have no way of possibly withdrawing this money. It is directly um, tied to this uh, charity's bank account. And all I get to do is push the send button so that the money gets sent over. That is all. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break and get, uh, get this bad boy rocking. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. It's getting to be game day. You know what that means? It's getting to be decision time. Are you going to the game or not? Now, again, 
If you're going, there's some bigger obligations. I expect you to get some pizza. I expect a review. And I'm hoping for a couple pictures. But if you're willing to lay it down and do the right thing, then I think we both know what needs to happen. Because Vivid Seats is a top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to, i.e. Packer Game. They make it super easy to sort for the seats and sections in the row of your choice. And all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, you get the Vivid Seats rewards. You get the 100% buyer back guarantee thing. Doesn't matter if I say it wrong. Still 100% guaranteed. And if you haven't done it already, just remember, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So check it out. All right, so first and foremost, let's go ahead and talk about this giveaway. Since there's no way to do this super dramatic, we'll just say the winner of the signed jersey giveaway is Kagar21. K-A-Y-G-A-R underscore 21. Now, I don't think this person is in the Facebook group. And so we will see, because as the rules have been written, there will be three days. And I will announce it for three days. This is day one. So today, Thursday, if there's even a podcast, which I don't know, and Friday. And yes, even if there's not a podcast, it counts. You've got until, I guess, the end of the day Friday to claim your reward. If no reward is uh, claimed, we will be doing this again. So congrats to Kagar, the Viking warrior princess. Hit me up on Instagram and we will get that out to you ASAP. The next order of business, and there have been several people who have been on this crusade to prove that there was in fact one play that Kevin King is getting blamed for that was not his fault. This has been confirmed by people who, I don't know, understand NFL defense and how that works. This has been confirmed by um, people using Madden graphics, <laughs> uh, YouTube videos, and I believe Matt LaFleur maybe said it also. That or people are just pretending he did. I'm not sure. But bottom line is the play call uh, is pretty well drawn up, and as a result, Kevin King's responsibility was not to cover George Kittle on this particular play. So it's, it's a good day for the Kevin King folks insofar as it proves that one of his numerous poor plays wasn't actually his fault. And if PFF had given him a grade based on simply one play and that play had been proven to be somebody else's fault, i.e. this was the safety's fault, I don't know which, maybe both, don't know. Didn't watch the video. Wasn't, um, I won't say I wasn't interested. I was. I just didn't get around to watching it yet. If that were the case, then we could easily say that maybe Kevin King has been getting, you know, the shaft a little bit. Unfortunately, you do not get a 29 grade because you gave away one passing play. Every single player on the team gave up, you know, every single DB gave up something. Linebackers, even defensive ends have given up passes. Almost none of them have given up um, so many and done such an egregious, egregious job as to get a 29 overall grade. Now, maybe this will boost him up to 30s or even 40s because it was a big play. I don't know. But he's still the lowest graded player. And at the end of the day, he's still given up the most yardage to any... Um, I suppose you'd have to subtract this play. But according to PFF, which again, isn't perfect, but, you know, to, to believe that he's it's so wildly incorrect that maybe he's one of the top corners, I don't know. But essentially, according to them, he has given up more yards through the air than anybody. So the second highest amount of yards that anybody has given up is Logan Ryan, 673 yards. Kevin King has given up 755. Now, what if we subtract out that one play? 
Well, assuming that the play in question is the 61-yard play, then we would simply subtract 61 from 755, and you would have 694 yards. Again, second place is Logan Ryan with 673. Even take that play away entirely, Kevin King is still number one in yards given up. And, and, and you know, I can already hear it in the back. Well, I'm sure that's not the only one they messed up. Here's the problem. As much as you can say that, you could say that there were probably times when he should have been given the blame but wasn't. You could also say that that's probably happened to Logan Ryan and Justin Coleman and Kyle Fuller as well, meaning... It all kind of balances out. But if we want to take one of these and specifically take it away from Kevin King, he's still giving up more yards than anybody in the NFL. That's problematic, man. It just is. And, and look, I, I, I get somebody else had made the claim that it's unfair to call Jair, who's given up a ton of yards and has not been all that great, a lockdown corner, but then say Kevin King should be cut. And I actually agree with that. I, I do think people are too high on Jair. I think it was well-deserved at one point in time when, when people were saying that he's ascending. That was true. At the beginning of the year when there was talk about him being the new, hot, young, Darrell Revis kind of guy, yeah, that was that. there was reason for that because at the beginning of the year he was looking like that kind of a guy. And so if you're mad at people from saying that in week two, well, then you're being ridiculous because that's what he was in week two, or at least that's what it seemed like he was going to be. He hasn't been that since week two or three. And he's actually number eight on this list, by the way. Now, he's been on the field more than most of the people on this list, including Kevin King, which, by the way, that's something else to keep in mind. Logan Ryan has given up 673 yards on um, 475 coverage snaps. Kevin King has given up 755 on 353 snaps. So if we were to do this based on a yardage per coverage snap, which we can do yards per reception if we want to, if we do that, then Kevin King is tied for fourth, but that's an entirely different question. It just means he gives up a lot of big plays. I'm talking about how many how many yards or how many receptions does he give up per time he's on the field. That's an entirely different question. So, look, I, again, the, the, the point of this is to try to come back to the middle. So I think the middle of this is Kevin King maybe has been getting the shaft a little bit, but it's time for people to recognize that this just is not good enough. Okay, he got the shaft on one play that wasn't his fault. We've we've seen this time and time again, and this is, what, year three? And yes, this year has been better than past years because he's had more games where he's not inept. He's had several games now where he's actually been pretty decent. So I, I don't have any... I'm not on the cut Kevin King train, but I am on the losing faith rapidly train because anybody can turn this thing around. I, I forget who it was. There was somebody, I think, a defensive lineman, defensive end that I pointed to, one, I think it's a defensive lineman, one of the top in the NFL, didn't turn the corner until about year five. He was pretty garbage. And D, uh, D. Ford is another one. He was terrible for three or four years. I mean, garbage. We're talking early first-round pass rusher. Everybody's talking about get rid of him. He's trash. Last year he had more pressures, I think, and maybe more sacks than anybody. Well, not more sacks. I think that was Daniil Hunter. But I think he had the most pressures of anybody in all the NFL. This year he's already, I mean, he's hurt right now, but he's off to a rip-roaring start already. He's a very good pass rusher. So is it impossible that Kevin King turns a corner? Of course not. But as I'm drifting toward 20, 15, 10% in my mind that, that this thing ever gets turned around, you know, the high end for him is, you know, went from Richard Sherman to, man, I don't know, hopefully he can just not be terrible every, you know, two out of three games or three out of four games or whatever it is. It isn't really good enough. And then you look at the cornerback group as a whole, Jair hasn't been 
I mean, look, if it wasn't for as much hype as there was, Jair has been fine. But it absolutely is true. As much as Kevin King deserves to be, you know, put where he is and not in the top, you know, that's another thing that when people, I did the fill in the blank thing, people, oh, he's a top 32 corner. No, he's not. In fact, Jair right now is not a top 32 corner. And I know that's going to send people into a, an absolute tailspin. And and listen, I'm not talking about his coverage. I'm talking about overall as a corner, which includes the fact that he is one of the worst tackling corners in all of football. Absolutely horrible. Jair is 124th out of 132. Now, to be fair, Kevin King is 126th out of 132. And as I've said, there, there are times when his tackling is really good and his run defense is, is a little bit higher. But he's, he's basically some really good games mixed in with just being the worst. So, I mean, just in terms of the ability to tackle, we've got the 124th and 126th best corners out of 132. So that's, that's not great. Now, in coverage, Jair is 17th, which really that's the thing that matters the most. He is pretty good in coverage. He's had some pretty bad and unfortunate games, which has dropped him. We also have Tremont Williams, who, again, you, you want to talk about overrated and underrated. The guy is 10th right now. In terms of coverage grade, he is the 10th highest graded corner. He's actually tied with Akello Witherspoon from the 49ers. So the group as a whole isn't what I would call dire. It's not perfect, and, and you can make a case that we need to get a corner. But you know, a, a similar metric that I like to do is look at other teams because what we're looking for is, oh, there's a hole somewhere that has to be filled. Because you need to have three really good corners. Got to have the two guys on the outside and a slot guy, and they all have to be really good. Well, we've got Jair, who's really good in, in coverage. We've got Tremont, who's playing really well in coverage. We've got King, who is playing pretty poorly in coverage. He's 99th overall. But that, that doesn't mean that we need to rush out in the draft or in free agency and get a top-tier corner. I mean, it, listen, I'm not going to say I don't want it. I'll take the top, I'll take a top anything, with the exception maybe of quarterback. Top tackle, top guard, top center, tight end, wide receiver, defensive tackle. Edge rusher would be a little weird, but if he's, I guess, real good, whatever. Linebacker, corner, safety, yeah, I would do safety. But in terms of we need to put this at the top of the list because Kevin King has not been as advertised, I mean, you're not going to find a a team, you know, the, the Patriots have it, but it's unbelievably rare. The 49ers, you could argue, have it. They've got three guys that are really good. Again, though, very rare. The Vikings are a pretty good team. Their corners are garbage. The Seahawks have one good corner on their team. One. The Saints, eh, it's not that good. Eli Apple is probably their best corner. He's he's decent. I mean, it's, it's a similar situation to the Packers, but Eli Apple is not quite as good as Jair. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they drafted, is not as good as Tremont. And P.J. Williams is probably a half a tick worse than Kevin King. But still, the Saints are a really good team because it's not about being perfect. You know, they have one really good edge rusher. People are worried because Rashawn Gary isn't it. Dude, how can you complain about edge right now? I mean, I, I kind of get it, but obviously he's developing. That's no reason to complain. They're, they're defensive tackles. They don't really have very good defensive tackles. Their left tackle is out. Their tight end, Jared Cook, is not doing that well. They have one wide receiver and nothing else, which is something Packer fans complain about all the time. They got one good safety, one garbage safety, one good linebacker, one garbage linebacker. It's not about being perfect is the entire point that I'm making, and you're not going to find a perfect team. It's about finding ways to win with what you have. I mean, the Saints have massive holes, and you'd never know it watching their team. The Packers have a roster that is good enough that a good enough coach should be able to find ways to be really good at stuff. Instead, we have a defense that's ranked 28th in yards, 26th in net yards per attempt passing. 
28th in yards per attempt rushing, 28th in touchdowns given up, 26th in rushing yards, 23rd in passing yards, 20th in first downs given up, 23rd in yards per drive, 20th in points per drive. And it's not because we only have two good corners out of three. It's not because Kenny Clark is only a pretty good pass rusher but struggling against the run, and we only have Preston and Zadarius, one of the best duos in, in football, and, and, and because Blake Martinez isn't an elite linebacker like the other five elite linebackers, and instead he's not playing very well and is on the order of what probably 20 other teams have. And it's not because Savage and Amos are, are only mediocre safeties as opposed to elite like we hoped they'd be. Listen, we had hopes of things that aren't coming true, but that doesn't mean they're garbage and everything needs to be uprooted. I think what they have is good enough, and I I do think at some point you have to start looking to Mike Pettin. I'm not saying fire Mike Pettin, but at some point you do have to look at this and say, listen, we know Savage is a pretty good player because we've seen it. We know Amos is a very good player because he was one of the top safeties in football in Chicago. By the way, as much as, I mean, people are still making memes about, ha-ha, you know, it sucks because you have ha-ha Clinton. He's one of the top safeties in football right now. So I hate to keep revisiting that. Another a toe so I hate to say a toe so but a toe so All heads bursting everywhere. He misses tackles, which, again, I debunked that whole thing. There's a whole episode on it. He does not miss more tackles. In fact, he's actually really good at tackling based on statistics. His missed tackles numbers compared to his tackles numbers compared to his snap numbers. I mean, he was actually on the the pretty good end of that. Well, he took plays off. Well, whatever. Fine. Good. He's gone. Great. Wonderful. Not complaining. I wanted Amos. I'm glad we got Amos. Point is, though, when he was in Chicago, he was pretty solid. And he's fine now, but he could be better. And Savage could be better. And Jair, I think, could be better. And King could probably be better. Tremont, I don't know, he's exceeding my expectations. But Kenny Clark is having one of his worst years ever. I mean, you got several people that are having worse years than, than they should be, than they're really accustomed to. And we also, by the way, saw how good the defense could be in the first few weeks. And look, a lot of things are successful early, and then they're not quite as successful later, because maybe teams adjust and figure out how to attack you, but then it's your job to counter the counter. And I'm not seeing a lot of countering to the counter. And similar to what happened with Dom Capers, everybody blamed the talent, and I think rightly so to a degree, but at some point you can only throw so many first-round picks and so many free agents and so much into the defense, 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 defense. By the way, a big part of the reason we're having problems on offense is because it's been neglected for a decade because we've been throwing players at defense, 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 because we've been saying Dom's not the problem, Dom's not the problem, Dom's not the problem. I'm just saying, let's shorten the window for which we allow a defensive coordinator to blame the players. It's only a second year. I get that. That's cool. But we need to have a very serious conversation with him after this year to say, look, I got you these guys. I got you Amos. I got you Savage. I got you Rashawn Gary. I got you Zadarius Smith. I got you Preston Smith. We also brought in Tremont, who's been solid. I drafted for you Jair. I mean, look at, I mean, this is a Gutekunst and Petten defense right now. So I want to have a very serious conversation and say, you tell me exactly what you need to get out of this slump. Because in 2020, I fully expect this to be a top 10 defense. That is my expectation of you. You were hired to provide us with a top 10 defense with the expectation that you, being a very intelligent, very successful uh, defensive coordinator, and he is, or at least he was, But by the way, let's not forget, so was Dom Capers. In his heyday, at a certain period of time, he was one of the best. 
had got him a head coaching role, but it just isn't working. It wasn't working with Dom, and it's not working with Mike. And, and maybe because we're Packer fans, we've just grown accustomed to it, but we, it, we don't have to have a bad defense. I don't know if you guys knew that. I, I struggle with that reality that it's possible for the Packers to have a good defense, but it is. And I think when you have a GM that's done such a good job of bringing in quality talent, and we know it's quality talent, because, for example, let's say Kenny Clark, this was his first year, we'd look at it and say this guy was trash, it was a bad free agent pickup, it was a bad draft pick, whatever. But the fact of the matter is we know he's a very good player, but for whatever reason, it's not working right now. And the other aspect of this is, I don't know if, let's take it back a little bit more. If you remember under Dom Capers, the way that it generally worked is this was a very, very good run defense. And the way Capers would do it is he was very stout against the run early because he wanted to get them into third and long so that he could do his zone blitzing nonsense, whatever, which it's probably not even nonsense. Had we had some better players, possibly better pass rushers, maybe it would have worked. But it was a stout defense on first and second down, very good against the run with the idea that in third down we'd get him off the field. The problem is the, the corners were so trash, the safeties were so bad, there was no pass rush, it just wouldn't work, and it couldn't work. Then we get um, Mike Pettin to come in, and instantly the run defense is worse. And it was troubling. However, there was sort of this feeling of it seems to be a trade-off. The run defense is worse, but the coverage is much better. Jair was solid. Blake Martinez even went from being a really good run defense linebacker to a really good coverage linebacker, and it seemed to happen overnight. Now, in his second year, we seem to be still as bad against the run, but struggling mightily against the pass as well, meaning, what exactly is it you're providing? Because as far as I can tell, this defense is basically, let's hope Zadarius or Preston get home. That is the entire defense. And if we didn't go out, if, 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 if our GM, who apparently is our best defensive coordinator, uh, didn't go out and get Preston and Zadarius, I don't know that this isn't one of the worst defenses in football. Because it's already a bottom 10-ish defense. Take away Preston and Zadarius having one of the best pass-rushing whatever duo seasons. I mean, I don't know, for the, for the Packers especially. Take that away, and I, I don't know that they do much of anything. It's only because, you know, essentially the way that teams get off the field is after they drive all the way down several times, get a bunch of points, this one time, as they're driving down with very little opposition, they throw an incomplete pass, and suddenly it's second and ten, and it's like, whoa, this isn't bad. Then maybe they run the ball, and the defense hardens for one play, and now it's like, now it's third and nine. And then Zadarius tees off and gets a sack, boom, defense hardened for just long enough. And again, what was it? It was the offense messed up. It was a run play that didn't get enough yards. And then Zedarius or Preston. But this isn't, as a unit, a defense that is just suffocating, which is what Mike Pettin's defenses have always been. That's what good defenses are. They're suffocating, like what the 49ers did to us, where it's like we can't run, we can't get into rhythm, we can't pass, we can't do anything. It's like we're handcuffed. We're suffocating. It's what the Bills are. It's what the Ravens are. It's what the 49ers are. It's what the Seahawks were. It's what the Bears were and still kind of are. It's what the Vikings are. I mean, it, it, it's on and on and on and on and on. And, and the only reason I enunciate all the different teams is to show that it's not like I'm asking for the world here. I'm asking to be one of the good defenses that happens to be rather rather suffocating. That, that you just don't want to play because they just make you look bad. And they're, it's hard to watch your team not be able to get first downs and struggle to just get positive yardage. Am I even coming close to describing this Green Bay Packers defense over the last eight weeks? Of course I'm not. Anyways, we got to quickly sneak a break in here and then come back and finish talking about whatever. 
because I am just about out of time. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So obviously I wanted to address more things than this, but, you know, sometimes I get a little ranty. And I'm not even really making definitive statements. I'm just kind of laying out where I'm at as far as this defense. I think that they are underperforming based on the talent. I don't think it's fair to say that this is a, a team lacking in talent, and that's why they're not. I mean, again... If your goal is perfection, you're being silly. Well, we only have two really good corners out of three because Kevin King isn't really cutting it, except the games where he is, and then we kind of have three, except maybe Jair falls off in that game, and then we're back to only having two. Yeah, dude, most teams only have two if they're lucky. And, and you know, similar situation to what happened when I said we need to fire Mike McCarthy. There was an instant reaction of, oh, who are you going to replace him with? I don't have to answer that question. I'm under zero obligation to answer that question. I'm stating a, a factual thing, and, and you can interact with that or not. But it doesn't make sense, just so you know, it's not a legitimate argument to say unless you can come up with a solution, you're not allowed to say this is wrong. That's not how that works. We can start with it's wrong and acknowledge that and then move forward. You know, hey man, stop strangling the dog. I can't afford the vet bill. You gonna pay my vet bill? Look... Let's talk about not killing dogs first. Then maybe we'll come up with a solution to the, to the lack of funds thing. You get what I'm saying, right? That's not how this works. It's a problem, and I want Mike Pettin to fix it. But it's, it's just, you know, I mean, even, even Blake Martinez. Everybody's mad at Blake Martinez, and rightly so. He's not doing the right things. But we know he's better than this. I mean, it, listen, he's being too hesitant. Why? Is he being told to be hesitant because of the scheme? Why isn't he attacking a certain gap? I don't know the answer to that question, but for whatever reason, Martinez is regressing. This is by far his worst year. And, and taking the attitude that he's always been trash, and I've always been calling him... Yes, you've always been incorrectly calling him trash. That's true. This year he is bad, and this time you're right, but a stop clock is right, twi- right twice a day, right? That's what you are. You're a stop clock that ends up being right in this instance. Truth came to you. You didn't always have the truth. And right now we have Kenny Clark who should be, is, but for whatever reason is not reaching his full potential, is a top five defensive tackle in football. Right now he's playing like a top 40 defensive tackle. We have one of the best pass rush duos in football. Kyler Fackrell is a utility guy. Savage and Amos have the potential to be a very, very good pairing, and they're, they're fine. I'm not calling them bad. I'm just trying to, to lay out what we have here. Ibrahim Campbell, I think, is a good role player. Can we use a couple pieces? Of course we can use a couple pieces. But this defense, based on on talent should be like a 7 or an 8. They're playing like a 5.2. The the discrepancy there is coaching. It's the same thing I said about the, you know, the the Packers last year where they were they were based on their roster more like a 9-win team than what they were, 
and it was the lack of coaching that made up the difference. And I'm saying that with the Dallas Cowboys. PFF has them as one of the highest graded teams in football, and yet look what their record is. Not surprisingly, there's a lot of talk suddenly about maybe we should move on from our head coach. Right now, we do not have a head coach problem that I can see. Now, this wasn't a great game, but this is what happens to first-year head coaches, especially going up against Kyle Shanahan, because Kyle Shanahan has been doing this a long time. He knows Matt LaFleur's playbook inside and out because Kyle Shanahan wrote it, and these guys just teed off on the Packers. That's what happened. Let's not overreact. Again, that was how the Packers reacted in that one instance against that one team in those certain conditions. That's not who the Packers are entirely. That's not who they were against the Panthers or all the other teams that they beat. So I don't believe we have a head coaching problem, but that'll bear itself out over time. If this team ends up being exposed and he has no ability to overcome that, then that's a problem. Because as I've said, there's there's multiple layers of being a head coach. And at the lowest rung, you have replicators. The guys that know a system really well and know how to implement that system. We know Matt LaFleur is at least that. But what you really want are innovators. Now, there's essentially two levels of innovation on that as well. One would be still copying people, right? On the, in the offseason, you watch what everyone else is doing. You add those little tweaks and things that work to your offense, and you kind of create your own little thing based on your players, and that's fine. The other are the actual innovators that create things. They're not, I mean, they're, they're watching everybody else. But they're making their own systems. They're writing their own plays. They got their own thing going on. That would be sort of top tier. So Matt Lafleur is at in the bottom third, bottom, you know, number three rung, and we need to see him kind of take those next steps. And I, I have no problem with Matt Lafleur to this point. I don't think we have a roster problem. It's not perfect. We need some certain things, but you know, again, look at the Patriots and tell me how many great wide receivers they have. Look at. And I know they've had good receivers at times, but they've also had no receivers, and they, at that exact same moment, had zero excuses. Look at the Saints. They got one guy and nothing else. Look at the Texans. One guy and nothing else. A lot of teams have a guy and nothing else. So what? I mean, would it help to get another guy? Of course it would. Let's do it. Let's do it up, man. Let's get some really good wide receivers and just dominate stuff. But, you know, we we need to be able to produce with... And we have been. We have been producing with what we have, and it's been very impressive. But that's, that's sort of what I'm saying is the expectation. The expectation is, you know, on one hand, we look to the draft, we look to free agency and say, what can we do to most improve this team? On the other hand, we look at 2019 and say, this is the roster. I believe the roster is good enough, and I'm depending on the coaches to go out and find ways to win with the roster we have because it is good enough. Get Kenny Clark going. Get Jair Alexander from a top 32 cornerback to a top 10 cornerback. Get Kevin King from a top 100 quarterback to a top 50 quarterback, if that's possible. Get Amos a half a tick higher to where he kind of closer was with the Bears. Get Savage going back to what he was doing early in the season. Get Martinez even halfway back to where he was in his rookie year, second year, third year. That's not true. He is actually playing about the same as he was with a rookie, as a rookie. But whatever. Can we get him back to what he was in 2017, which was just kind of average? Because right now, that's not what he is. And I don't know the process. I don't know what Mike Pettin is doing. I don't know if he's looking at it and saying, listen, this is what we practice. This is what we are. This is our scheme. This is how we roll. And we're either going we're, we're gonna to ride or die with, with what we do. We're, just, we're not going to change anything. We're just, I'm going to expect you guys to be able to fit my scheme. And I'm looking at it saying, look, man, something is wrong with it. The guys aren't really thriving. Now, I, I don't want to change it to the extent that, that Zadarius and Preston fall off because that's all we have right now. But we got to do something. And again, in, in the offseason... Because obviously this is not what Mike Patton envisions. There's got to be a massive missing piece. I tend to lean toward probably a defensive tackle. I know we need a linebacker. 
But this, this this team, since getting Mike Patton and Brian Gutekunst together, have done nothing but try to get defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. They've tried in free agency. They've reached out to guys that they haven't gotten that I thought, why in the world do you need that guy? You know, whenever there's a big-name defensive tackle that's available, the Packers are in the mix trying to get him to come to Green Bay. We also went out and drafted, you know, Kingsley Kiki and stuff because you can't always do first-round defensive tackle all the time. But I, I just, I really think that there's something about this Mike Pettin scheme that just demands really dominant defensive fronts. And that's what a lot of really good defenses are. That's what the 49ers are. That's what the Vikings are. It's just four or five guys lining up in front of you that are just going to dominate you all day long. But whatever it is, I, that's just me postulating. Whatever it ends up actually being, as Brian Gutekunst, I'm going to say, look, I'm going to get you this, but this is it. I'm going to give you this, and you're going to give me a top 10 defense, or we're going to have a very hard conversation by the end of next year. Because I expect a very serious contention for a Super Bowl, and we're not going to get there without a top 10 defense, and that 2019 garbage that you were rolling out is not acceptable. Again, a lot of ball game left. Maybe they get this thing turned around. Hopefully they get this thing turned around. I, I think we're, we're way overblowing how bad this 49ers game was. Again, that was what they did against the 49ers, and they got to figure out how to overcome that. But I, I think that that's just a team that knows the Packers' playbook inside and out, a team that knows exactly how to get and frustrate this offense, and uh, you're not going to find a lot of teams able to really do that. And the fact that we've got the Giants coming up will be a really good opportunity for the Packers to uh, really just drop back and just absolutely just, just stomp on somebody's throat to take all this talent that I've been laying out for you. Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams... Preston, Zadarius, Kenny, blah, 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 for these guys that are just above and beyond to really step up and show when we're going up against, you know, we struggle sometimes in certain situations, but we're going to show you how dominant we really are. This is this is the opportunity. If you're going to put up a 42-7 to 7 game, this is, this is the one. Well, sometime this next two weeks. And I think that would be beneficial. So, anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day, and if I do not talk to you tomorrow, which is possible because we're sleeping over at Grandma's house, then I hope you all have a very wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat lots of food. Be grateful for stuff. Once in your miserable life. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.